Thank you so much. So grab your Bibles, or if you're using a phone, go ahead and open your Bible. And we are going through the book of John on Sunday mornings and Thank then on so our Sunday evening church. Hey, from four to you six, you guys are all invited. It's not a closed club, said, please. Uh, Everyone hey, come. The idea is that, today. <laughs> that we go further and more, uh, go deeper or, or chase whatever thought or rabbit trail can be there at times is led by the Holy Spirit. And we have that time on Sunday nights. And here's a perfect example. Last week, or not last week, sorry. Last week, Take a moment. if you were here, Pastor Randy was speaking to you. If you were at Church in the Woods, right, then Pastor Corey was speaking to you. So depending on which place you were, uh, you heard a message. Um, but two weeks ago, we were talking from John 3, speaking about the story of Nicodemus, and then the, one of those good Holy Spirit detours, and we began talking not only about the idea of being born again, but there was a distinction that we made based on the Greek words from John 3, that there was a difference between being someone who was believing in Jesus, as far as an intellectual type of understanding or acknowledgement, and someone believing on Jesus, the idea of trusting and kind of leaning and putting your dependence on him and, and how... Those, there's different Greek words used, and, and so we spent some time there. Well, from our discussion, something that really popped out was the significance. Even though in the book of John, that's what Rick was sharing with us. Rick was like, man, it stood out to me, the kingdom of God. And I said, you know what? The scriptures, there's the, there's the saying as it's written, that the scriptures are alive and active. And that's what this means. You guys could have been, in, maybe you've been in church, you're new to that, maybe you've been in church all of your life, and what you'll find is you can go through the same scripture, and the wonderful teacher and counselor, the Holy Spirit, can make it alive, new, and fresh for you. And so that's kind of what was happening on Sunday night. So I was encouraged and also challenged to say, man, you know what, we're going to stop. We're going to stop here and talk about the kingdom of God. So that's what we're going to do today from the story of Nicodemus, and then and some more stuff I want to share with you. But let me pray before we get into that. Uh, Lord, I know that you, you have a, a wonderful plan and a love for us and a patience that I can't emulate. You are not slow to act. You're not lazy or complacent or absent, but active and alive, yet loving and patient, wanting that none of us would be destroyed, but that we would all come to life through you that we would all lay down all our poor beliefs and wrong beliefs, Lord, and follow you as our master and Lord and savior and friend. I pray that you would use the scripture today and any words that you would have me say um, to help us in that journey. Any words you didn't ask me to say and I say on my own, I, I lean into your mercy and your grace that you'll overcome my weakness. I pray this, Jesus, because of you and your power. Amen. Okay, back to the story, John 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. Right? 
reminder. So Jesus is doing miraculous signs and wonders and saying things that's catching the attention of religious leaders. So one of their chief guys, one of their head guys, shows up to find out what's going on. So he comes to Jesus at night, asks him this question, then Jesus answers, verse 3, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay, let's pause, take a look at this. Truly, truly, what's that tell us? Really important. Yeah, if you're new here, our particular type of crazy is I'll ask you a question and totally it's okay for you to holler it out, okay? Okay, that, that's, that's acceptable and encouraged. So welcome and join in the fun. So truly, truly, hey, I'm serious, pay attention, I'm not lying, listen to this. And what's he tell us on the back end? He says this, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay, right? So then Nicodemus said to him, probably he's taken off guard, right? It's quite a bold statement. How can a man be born when he's old? Can he either enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Then Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now, I want you to see something, and this is, where, this is what caused our attention, grabbed our consideration and our meditation. There's some words, okay, for you. Was this. We see here that Jesus uses two phrases. I looked at the Greek. There's nothing magical about it. It really means what, what our English translates it to mean. That this idea to see, perceive, understand, view, Okay. Your, your ability to see, perceive, understand, view the kingdom of God is dependent on you to be born again. And then the second part, right, is in order to enter the kingdom of God, you must be born again. And so I want, I want to spend a little time bringing this to you for our prayer consideration and understanding. I want you to understand, I want you to hear right from my heart. I'm very grateful for everyone who's ever poured into me in the faith. But it's my responsibility to go back into the beginning of all understanding, right? Fear of God and the wisdom that he gives us, that he had men and women before us, writ, wrote right down as inspired by the Holy Spirit. So I want to go back to this, and I don't want to just believe what I was told, but I want to confirm or realign myself with truth based on what I read here. Does that make sense? And we do this together. That's why we do Sunday night church. That's why we have a new attenders lunch. Like this church is all about us, right? Like us worshiping God, all, all of the pieces of God's body, all of his believers coming together. This fellowship is based on us on a journey together with God, ministering to the world around us, sharing and living the good news that is the kingdom of God coming, okay? So I want to take the time so, for us to understand so Jesus is coming about, and he's saying things about a kingdom of God. And, and that's not often something that we talk about. Because of, the, because of the religiosity or the churchianity of the Western culture, our big symbol is like a cross that tells you it's Christian. That was not the case here. That was not what Jesus brought to, 
to begin with. One thing he talked about a lot was this idea of the kingdom of God. He went about proclaiming the kingdom of God, performing these miracles, and those miracles and those signs and those wonders made everyone say, wow, this guy really is from God. I should listen to what he's saying. Um, Please know, my goal today is not to intellectually examine what is the kingdom of God. There's a little bit of that. But I believe for the sons and daughters of God, that truth needs to penetrate our heart and, and change the way that we live. That should have been the offer in the beginning because that's what Jesus said when he was here. So a couple scriptures, Matthew 4, 17, it says, from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. A couple things there. Jesus kept saying this. He kept saying this everywhere he was going. He was sharing the same truth. He said a couple things. Repent, what's that mean? Turn around, right? Change, change the direction. Like, change your mind. What, what, what other ways could you explain that? Let's take it out of church words. Yeah. A change of heart. Think differently. Anyone else? Did you say something? I'm sorry. Okay. Those are all really good. If there's something, You got something? What is it? A complete turnaround? Yeah. Yeah, so he's like, guys, let's, you come into this world, right? He's coming into a culture where, where God, they think God's been absent for hundreds of years, right? And, and religion has taken over. And he's coming and saying, you guys need to stop, stop, pause, change the direction, change your thinking. There's something new that's old here. You guys have gotten off track. And I think every generation we have to kind of do this. And I believe that's part of what I'm here to do. Take you back to this and help you to understand. Look at this and understand what Jesus was inviting you to before you say amen. Because we don't need people half in. They're, they're really screwing up the name of Jesus throughout the world. We need the people that are following Jesus to follow him, to have life, life that shines everywhere that they go. And what he's saying is, repent, guys. The kingdom of God is not just a future thing that you're going to. It's near. It's at hand. It's here. So that answers the first question. Oh, the kingdom of God, that's just got to mean heaven, right? It's, it's more than that. Because it's at hand. It's, it was there 2,000 plus years ago. That thinking of like, okay, God's kingdom, that's only later So now I just suffer. And then it goes on to this, right? Okay, so Jesus, he was talking about the kingdom. Corey, good news, you're off the hook. Not not so fast. Let me give you another one. Luke. Luke 9, 2 says, and he, that's Jesus, sent them. Who's them? The apostles, right? Disciples, the followers of Jesus. He sent them out to proclaim what? The kingdom of God and to perform healing. That's another sermon. Proclaim the kingdom of God. I mean, the kingdom of God is like a centrality, a central teaching of Jesus. So that's why it's worth not just skipping over. It's, it's mentioned in all the Gospels. There's lots of counts. Lots of people say it occurred this many times in the Gospel of Matthew, but apparently like 30 plus times in the Gospel of Matthew is what most people are counting. I didn't take the time to count myself. 
Some counts said 70 times in the New Testament. Someone said 71, 72. I don't know. That's a lot, right? That's a whole lot more than the things we usually grab onto. Like, oh yeah, Jesus, that's about feeding the poor or feeding the starving. Okay. How many times did it say that as opposed to the kingdom of God? So it occurred in all four Gospels, in Acts, 1 Corinthians, Galatians, Colossians, 2nd, right, Thessalonians, you, you, get, you catch my drift here. It's all over the place. And something that I think we have to consider is if we skip that piece, that there's a kingdom of God, okay, that it's here, that it's now, and that Jesus is inviting people into his kingdom, then a lot of the things he commanded you to would sound insane. Can we be honest? Let's be honest in church. Some of the things that Jesus is asking people to do, if he didn't give them a new home and a new kingdom and a new order to live under and a new truth, the things he was asking them to do doesn't seem wise. Oh, the greatest among you is the least. More blessed are the brokenhearted. Who's brokenhearted and feels blessed? Right? I mean, it's, it spits in the face of most cultures throughout time, including our own. And, and I think it would be irresponsible without talking to you about the kingdom to exhort you to just keep the commandments. Does that make sense? That's why these foundational things, I think if we skip over them, we lose some of the power. Okay. Kingdom. It's a little lost on us. We don't... Monarchs in our time and our culture are just celebrity. Right? They're celebrity. They're not... Our, our, we have a government of many rulers, and I mean, anyway, we don't want to get political, but they're not kings, and, and we honestly don't respect them for the most part, probably to our detriment. If we were to live as Christ, we should respect our leaders more than we do. But in Genesis 1, we have to go back to where Jesus started. Genesis 1, 26, if you're taking notes. If not, you can go back and check this out on YouTube. And if you're over the age of six, you might call it the YouTube. Yeah, either one of those is the same place. Uh, 26 says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of heaven and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Okay, Will, why did you put that there? Please understand, here's what's cool and I'm kind of excited about it. You've got to get back to this truth. You see, God spoke into existence out of nothing, everything, right? He created it. He was the ruler and the king. He was the designer, the creator. He knew the way it worked. He knew which way the puzzle pieces fit together. And he was going to be master, the lover, the creator, the friend, everything to all of his creation. All of plants, all of the stars in the heavens, all the animals, right? The birds of the sea, the birds of the air, and the, and the fish of the sea, the animals, and then the people. And then he created man and woman, and they were together, and he goes, high five, we did it. 
What we've made is a kingdom full of subjects to us. And that doesn't sound loving, okay? But if you have a, a benevolent, loving king, that is the best system of governance that exists. Right? What we found over time is that people are corrupt, right? And so you put a person in there and you make them incomplete the king, they screw things up. So we thought it'd be better to get more people governing, and then it turns out the more people you put in, the more screwed up people you put in, and you just can't win. So in the end, what wins out is a benevolent monarchy. But America, we don't get it. It's lost on us. But God was the king. Okay? Big K. He was the ruler. Big R. And then he took men and women, and he gave them, created in his likeness, and gave them relationship with him in such a way that they were created, you and I were created to rule, small r, and the king, small k, over all of creation. It was a kingdom. And then you go forward. And Satan comes in, he invites them to join an alternate kingdom and suggests that their king is wrong and was holding out on them. And they said, sure. And, and since then, you understand, God didn't give up his capital K kingship or his capital R ruling, but we gave up our lowercase k kingship and our lowercase r ruling to Satan in darkness. And as a matter of fact, some of us have taken positions on his team, and we do this on his behalf through our sin. Okay, we all know, we're all on the boat together. Anyone fall off yet? Okay, so the, the, there is a kingdom, and what ends up happening is you look throughout biblical history, and tons of kingdoms pop out made, made by men under the influence of who knows what, often greed, pride, violence, lust, or necessity, right? And a lot of those, I'm sure, you know, the Holy Spirit's in the mix of some of those and Satan's whispering and, and some of those darkness, light, all of that, right? The kingdom of God never died. It never went away, right? We, we read about the heavenly host and the stuff that are happening and that, that Jesus has ascended and sitting on the throne of his kingdom now. And meanwhile, one by one, we keep trying, thinking we know better, to establish our kingdoms. And they fall, and they fail, and they fall, and they fail, and they fight with each other. Okay, we still on the boat together? Okay. Now, so what is the kingdom of God? These are not mine. I found these. I thought, hey, this is kind of a cool little list. One, it's the rule of Christ Jesus on earth and in heaven. Yes, there is a, there is a, there is a physicality to this, a physical presence to rule. There will be, right? You see that a couple times. You see that in Revelation where Jesus comes back to rule for a thousand years. And, but that's not the, the end, okay? That's one of the final chapters. He comes to rule. They lock up Satan. And he is the king physically on earth for a thousand years. But once evil's let out, the people's sin, selfishness get in the way, and apparently they're going to march to try to come after Jesus, and he's going to have to knock some fools down, okay? 
and destroy everything. And then he's going to set up a final rule. So both of those will have a physical rule. And right now he has a physical rule. But you don't see him in Prescott Valley. You don't go to his office, right, where he's ruling in Prescott Valley. I, I get that. Or Dewey or Chino or any of the places around here. Okay. So, But second, the kingdom of God is also present more than in the physical. It's also a spiritual kingdom. And it's really, it, it's alive and working and growing in the hearts of the people who follow him. Everywhere that they go, they take the kingdom with him. The scriptures are very clear about that. The kingdom is in you because God is in you. You are his temple. You are the house of God if you have the Holy Spirit, right? If you believe in Jesus and you receive that. So the kingdom of God can also refer to the blessing and advantages that flow from living under Christ's rule. Anything under a king's rule is his kingdom. Old kings would take on different lands. They weren't physically in that land necessarily, but their rule was there. And then the kingdom can also refer to the subjects of this kingdom, or in this case, the church, the people. This is a place, this should be a place of God's rule. And the elders and I, we have a responsibility to be the small K's and the small R's over this little section of the kingdom of God. But he's still supposed to be our big K and big R, king and ruler. Okay, we're still on the boat together? Okay, shake it off. So then why did Jesus speak so much about the kingdom of God? I really wanted to ask that question. What do you think, based on what I've shared with you so far? It was an invitation, okay? Invitation for what? I think you're on to something really cool. To repent, yeah. So what you're saying, and I think you're right on, she says it's recognizing the path you're, you're on is at best going nowhere. And it's that invitation to turn from that path and join him, right? Is, is basically what you're saying. Yeah. To take our kingdom and put it under his kingdom. Yeah, so it was, the, it was the hope of something to come, right? The end of all the things that bother us, the hate, the violence, the sin, the destruction. And it was an invitation of a, to something better, right? And it gave you hope for what's to come. It wasn't man's kingdom, it was God's kingdom. Yeah. So kind of that it will be there because it hasn't been there is what you're saying, that the kingdom will be there? Is that what you're saying? Yes. So his intent at the beginning was to establish this, right? And that's why there's, there's kind of a metaphor to that Jesus, right, was he finished, he redid what Adam did wrong, and he's doing it right. It's kind of the metaphor there. And, and I think what you begin to see, someone else, what do you, what do you guys think? Why, why is the kingdom of God so important? Why did Jesus talk about it a lot? Do you have something? Eternal life is in the kingdom. 
Yeah, if we want life. The kingdom is very appealing. Yes. Anyone who's weak and heavy laden coming to me, it's appealing. Yeah. This world was so hopeless that there was a place for us to put our hope. Yeah. Yeah. It's what we were created for. That's a, that's a great example, right? Yeah, if, when you're doing what you're not created for, it's always frustrating. Yeah. It's the exact opposite of everything that we believe, like as a culture you're saying in the world. Yeah. 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 This is great. Mm. Yeah. So it, it's like a kingdom. So it's not, it's not, what you're saying is it's not just like a, a shift from what we have. It's a whole new thing. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a change the way that we think and see. Because you've got to have allegiance to a king. Yeah, okay. So yeah, with a king, you give him allegiance. You're not like, oh, okay, maybe. You're like, yes, king. We don't know what it's like to live under a king, right? So it's, yeah, it's really, the, the picture is sometimes hard to get, and any, any story you've heard about a king is usually a bad example. You know, maybe King David, but even so with him, so many failings. Um, but I think what's important, guys, is you guys were really, Really nailing that. One of the things that I thought about was, well, one, it's clearly important. And two, imagine this. Okay, so you're in a land, even though it's your homeland, it's not your home, right? And as a matter of fact, foreigners are, are in your land, and daily, as you're trying to go about the business of your culture, they're in the way, right? The Romans are there. They're occupying your land, so you got to worry about them, and then you have the religious leaders, and all of them are getting rich off of you, and you're, you're you know, poorer and more destitute, and you're fishing, you're doing whatever you can to make ends meet. It's just, it's really not working out. And, and then so there's all these questions for allegiance, and then this guy comes in and is like, I've got a whole new kingdom. And no wonder they quickly were like, okay, cool, can I be one of the little R rulers in your kingdom. Do I get to sit your right hand or your left hand? But what's happened, if you look out history, throughout history, based on what I can read, and also what I see in my life, guys, is, is there's this idea that even though the physical place of God's kingdom isn't technically here, it is. Throughout time, there's always been his people at work. Right? And sort of in a subversive, secret, hidden way at times, other times in a more visible way, and often in the most subtle way you ever could imagine. Many of you have stories of the kingdom encountering you through an event or a person, and the kingdom came near to you and invited you in. Right? So this kingdom, it will come physically, completely in the future, but it can also physically come now. And so I, I think about that, and it's also super important because 
what I think part of the challenge is, is, is understanding exactly what Jesus is inviting us into. We think that Jesus came to rule over the kingdoms that we created. Let, Let me explain that to you. But I would tell you that's not true. I would tell you that Jesus did not come to rule over the kingdoms that we make or create. It happened when he came the first time. Oh, Messiah, I'm, I'm so glad you're here. You're totally going to come take the nation of Israel back. Right? Kick Roman tail end, man. Kick them out of here. You're going to be a king like David, only better. Tons of wealth, tons of prosperity. God and country, Israel. Right? Um, and throughout time, right, Constantine, when he was ruling the empire, yes, this has to be it, right? We're going to be the people of God. We're a Christian nation, and our empire and all the evil that we do is blessed by God, right? He's come to rule our kingdom. The, the Crusades, the same thing. He's come to rule our kingdom. Uh, America, you know, capitalism hid behind the shield of freedom of religion to say God has blessed us, and he was with us, and we overcame a ruling nation that was much more powerful than us with his help, without a doubt, to gain independence, right? And since then, we're pretty sure we're the next best thing since sliced bread, America, and clearly God cares about us, and we've got to be the most important last nation. Do you see it? Okay. Was the kingdom at God at work in the nation of Israel? Oh, yeah. Was it in the Roman Empire? Oh, yeah. Was it in England and, and, and all of that and the, all of Europe during crusades? Sure. Was God at work? Was God at work in, in, in the revolutionary times in the founding of America? Yeah. Is God, was God at work in the pandemic and COVID over time? Is he at work today? Yeah. Is his kingdom working? As a matter of fact, isn't that what we're about right now? Like, it is physically present. But he's not about coming and taking over the kingdoms that we make. And that's what we have to be really careful about. Whatever we do in our best laid plans to honor God, do we lose him in our attempt to honor him? Do we push him out of our kingdom and wait for him to come take rule over it? And that's not what he said. You guys don't get I am not here to take over your kingdoms and do them better. I'm inviting you to a complete thing. He says things like, my kingdom is not of this world. If it it was, then you wouldn't be able to arrest me. You know, my followers would stop this. We would set up. This is not what it is. So instead, he came to invite us. That's what you guys said. Back to the kingdom we were created for. The initial kingdom that's still at work. And not only to let us know it's here and now, but that you can join it and grow it now. And not only that, back to what you said, Rick, it'll exist forever. Woo, who wants that? I mean, really, do you want that? Okay, do you want it? Kind of. Because here's a truth that's said in the scripture, no one could serve two masters. Eventually, they're going to be at odds. And you're going to have to choose one. So 
When I say I want his kingdom, I'm saying I don't want this kingdom. And I don't even know if I could tell you that 100%. I still catch myself really wanting these other kingdoms. Rick, I don't suppose I'll maybe ever overcome that completely. But I think little by little the Holy Spirit's working in me so that I want less of this kingdom and more of his. And if just the group of us here could, could really honestly consider that and commit to that, imagine what would happen. Please, please don't forget these apostles and disciples that walked with him and saw miraculous things, things like most of you have never seen. When they came to arrest him and kill him, they still wanted some of the kingdoms of this world so much they ran. And then he returned, and, he gave, and the Father gave him the wisdom to share with them, hey, my Father's going to send you the Holy Spirit. And you're not going to have to go find him for wisdom or strength. He's going to be in you. And I'm going to go to the Father so that you'll get that. And then when they got the Holy Spirit, they struggled to figure out, how, like riding a bike, how do you navigate this thing? When, you know, is this the Spirit speaking? Is this me speaking? Is this the world speaking? And they tried to navigate that over time. And I'm sure they made more mistakes than they made right decisions. And that is good, because isn't that us? These are not men and women different than you and I. They're like us. But what's cool is you can see the Spirit grow in them in such a way that all but one were killed, right? Like, because they wouldn't renounce him. That's, I mean, I, it sounds weird to say that. They were killed. That's pretty cool, right? But it, it is. It's, just, it's hope for you and I. Wherever that rub is between kingdoms, wherever that pull is to not join his kingdom, but I need to speak truth to you to tell you you're supposed to give up those kingdoms and choose his. Yes, you asked the question. I think the answer is yes. His question was, do you think that's why the kingdoms of this earth, they don't like this kingdom of God that's coming because it's disruptive. Jesus said, if you, they treated me this way, how much Yeah, yeah, Jesus, that's what Pastor Ray said. Jesus said, hey, if, if they hate me, if they treat me this way, expect them to do the same to you, right? Because you're bringing a different kingdom. You know, we talked to someone not too long ago, and their focus was like, okay, success. And their definition of success had to do with finances. And they said, I think a young man should be very charismatic and very analytical. Okay. Now, anybody over the age of 40? Do you know, how many unicorns do you know? Right? That are so charismatic and yet very detail-oriented and analytical. It's two different molds, my friends. I mean, you could fake it, but you're going to wear yourself out. Right? I could come in here, like I could talk to someone and love them and they could love me, but I could be the most oblivious person you ever met in your life. Like half the chairs would be gone. I'd go, oh, hey, did you notice we took half the chairs out? I don't know. Uh, I, I, right? That's not me. So the problem is 
the, the kingdom of God is, is very different, and so it has different definitions and values. And you can't serve two kingdoms. If that's what you're worried about, you can never help this young man be who God created them to be. For him to be the body of Christ, the piece of the body of Christ. He's, he's pretending to be a leg when he's an arm, and he's getting exhausted because he's walking on his hands. Okay? The invitation, guys, and it's hard. And really, your first answer should say, I don't know. That, it shouldn't be yes. It should, I don't know. Do you want to drop everything and follow me? Wow, I, I don't know. Okay, if you tell me that, right? Like, I remember, I'll pick on Rick here. When he was serving as an elder, I asked him. And he was like, oh, man. Because we were praying. We were like, oh, we think Rick should come on the elder board. I asked him to do that. And he, he agonized. Man, how long did you agonize over that? You were like, I don't know. And as soon as he said that, the rest of us were like, that is the perfect guy. <laughs> right? As opposed to people over time to say, you know, I think I'm supposed to be a pastor here. Or I'm supposed to be an elder. Like, yeah, no, you're not. That's not the way this works. Count the cost before you begin building the house. Otherwise, you'll run out of resources before you finish it. Right? Like, oh, man, take it seriously. This kingdom. So then let's talk about this. Back to what they said here. What's the difference between seeing the kingdom of God and entering the kingdom of God? And what does that have to do with you and I? Well, here's what Jesus said. Verse 3, John 3, verse 3, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, okay, born again, we could get into that more, but this idea is that you are born once in the flesh, right? And then you're born in the Spirit. You're reborn. And it's back to what we're saying. Only the Holy Spirit would empower these disciples and followers to put some money where their mouth was when it came to faith. Right? It was only the power of the Holy Spirit that transformed them and changed them from fishermen to beautiful speakers and, and, right, like leaders. So unless you have the Holy Spirit, unless you're born again, a new creation, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Give me an example. What's that mean? Help me out. Do you ever see the kingdom of God? I looked at the root words. It's not tricky. It really is. Like, could you see? Could you observe the kingdom of God? Give me an example. Anyone be willing to share? Because I think we need to be watching for this. Because the Bible's saying, if I have the Holy Spirit in me, and if you don't, that's another talk we need to have, okay? If you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if he's not leading you, then that, we got a core issue there. Yeah. It's in his people. Yeah, because the kingdom are his people, right? It, it's what? Answer prayer. We get the glimpses of his kingdom by those living. Yeah, those living for Christ. Yeah. You going to say something? <laughs> Sometimes if you guys are in my view, people, their mouth will do this thing like they're about to say something. And then, like, no, good. It is. Yeah. Jesus said, wherever two or more gather in my name, I'll be there. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, she said in a study that they're doing, talking about spirituality, we want to define it all these things, but this author is presenting this truth that you, like if you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you come into a room, you can change the atmosphere of that room, but it's not you, it's the Spirit of God in you. And, and I've seen that, in what, and I can give you an example. It's just those really little moments I believe a lot of times. Sometimes it's a real bold and big thing. Sometimes it's a little moment. It's like even in the hospital this week, spending time in the hospital, Terry, you're just like the conversations that you have with people. And I don't know, actually I do know why it is that they'll talk to me. And it's exactly that. The kingdom of God, it comes and invades any place that we go if we're willing to be obedient And then at the same time, it's the Trader Joe's effect. I like to call it that way because we seem to encounter the opposition that way. You know, we'll be in a place and and I'm more oblivious to this than my wife, but I'll be like, that person was just giving me the dirtiest look and following me around the store. Do you know him? No. Do you know him? No. Uh, And then they, I mean, seriously, I told you guys that story. The one time the lady followed us, even though there was open check stands, just to stand behind there and stare at me. It was nice to everyone else. I don't know if I cut her off on the road or, you know, I don't know, maybe my bald head looks scary or something, like a Bond villain or something, I don't know. But but yeah, I know, I, I really know, I sense that the places that you go, the kingdom of God is, is by extension everyone who's part of his kingdom. And when multiple people get together, like I think the kingdom of God comes when, when someone's playing music and the people are joining in and singing. I think the kingdom of God happens when you guys are sharing back with me like you are. Because it's not just me telling you, but it's us living this together. So in order for us to see it, we need eyes to see it. In order to, to perceive it, we need his mind and his eyes. Those who have ears, let them hear. Those who have eyes, let them see. This goes over and over again because sometimes you just don't see it. So it is the presence and power of God of somebody who's been born again that they can see the kingdom of God. And if you begin talking about it, kingdom meetings, right? The assembly of the called out ones, which we call church. We get together, we remind each other. And even you guys, when you're going to high school and college, like the kingdom goes with you. Yeah, you had those stories. You're just there, and either there was this opposition that had to be spiritual or, or acceptance that had to be spiritual. Like, has anyone ever said this to you? I don't usually tell anybody this, but... but uh, kingdom of God. Right? Okay. So what he's trying to say is like, okay, Nicodemus, I know that you're smart, man. I know that you guys love Yahweh and you have your religion, but you've got to surrender yourself to be reborn so that you'll have the Holy Spirit, so that the Spirit can activate all the knowledge and the gifts that you have. And until then, you're just not going to see the kingdom of God. You're going to be blind to it. So what? What what do we do, believers? It's not about what we say, but what we really believe is what we do, okay? Okay. So why, why don't we pray more often? God, could you just help me to see your kingdom? Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, like, I'm going into this and help me to see your kingdom at work in this.
Sounds so simple, right? But the minute you take another kingdom in, it like disrupts. So that's the challenge. But there's the first thing, okay? We should see the kingdom of God more and more in work. Because then that tells you this. I'm listening and I'm laying down the other kingdoms. Because the truth is, you might think you're there for one reason, but you're really there for a greater reason that has eternal significance. Secondly, Jesus answered, verse 5, truly, truly, there he says it again, right? Like, really listen, I'm serious. Unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Okay, once again, original language doesn't throw any curveball here. What, what I am proposing to you, okay, there'd be lots of, lots of opinions and they might say, oh, this is just saying, yeah, unless you get saved and baptized or whatever, then you don't go to heaven, heaven, right? The new kingdom, the new Jerusalem, and new heaven. And although that's true, I believe, I believe anytime we see the kingdom of God and we join it, we enter it. Let me ask you in the negative, have you ever felt an urging of God to do something? And then you don't do it. Now, obviously, maybe you had a, a thought and then you asked God about it and you, and you felt, okay, that wasn't from you and so you didn't do it. But other times you just don't do it because we're lazy or we're afraid. Those are all invitations to enter the kingdom of God. And, and it starts at the most basic, man, when you're interacting with, if you live with someone else, right? If it's your spouse or your kids or your parents, like the way that you treat one another. You have an opportunity to bring the kingdom of God into this and act as your king, as your king directs you and watch the beauty of his kingdom at work. Or you can choose the other kingdoms of this world that tell you things like, no, this is how you act in marriage or as parents or in the workplace, But whenever you say yes and you do that, you enter the kingdom of God. What about an example for you or somebody else of entering the kingdom? And I know you don't want to brag on yourself, but but I I want this to be really practical. That's the whole point of stopping long enough to talk about this kingdom. Anyone? Yeah. Loving your enemy. Yes. Yeah, loving your enemy, you're entering the kingdom of God. You're, you're following the direction of your king. And it's counter to what you think would be wise and right. It's counter to what the culture would tell you. The kingdoms of this world would not say love your enemy. And there's a good reason why. Because, I mean, sometimes in certain situations, it can cause you harm. Physically, financially, emotional harm to love your enemy. And so in this kingdom, that would not be wise. But in the kingdom of God, we operate under this, that there's this promise that anything that you lose in the kingdom is more than made up for by the generous king of that kingdom. 
not only in this life, but the life to come. What's the worst a person can do to me? Kill me and send me to paradise with Jesus? Right? That is the thinking of God. Oh, what if I give them money and they never pay me? What if I go bankrupt? You ever met someone who's bankrupt? Yeah. Did they die? No. If they die, would it be that bad? They'd be in heaven? Oh, I guess not, right? That's the kingdom of God, but we bring our kingdoms into it. So those things like, well, this Jesus guy is like, be less. Don't be successful. Love your enemies. If someone slaps you, turn your other cheek and let them slap you again. It doesn't make any sense in this kingdom, but it does in the kingdom of God. Yeah, great example. Yeah, someone, who else was? Yeah. Choosing to forgive somebody. But dude, what if they, what if they hurt you again? Right? Right? Like, or what if they're not sorry? Or look what I've lost for that. God forgave us. Over and over and over. Yeah. The best way to love your enemy is to realize that they're not actually the enemy. <laughs> the, the best way to, to love your enemy is to realize that they're not actually your enemy. That's what Paul was warning. He says, man, when you encounter anybody, you're not just encountering them. You're encountering the consequence of all their sins and all the forces of evil at play. Yep. Yeah, someone else. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Nick is working at a garage mechanic. Yeah. So that's what she's saying. One of, one of her kids was working in a place, and once they found out that he was a Christian and played worship on, on the worship team, she'd asked them, because she was a lesbian, whether Christians hated people that were gay, and he was able to share a truth that, that it's not a matter of hate, and he could see the kingdom of light and the kingdom of God. Exactly. I know you guys share this with me about the high school and stuff. Even those who go to church and consider themselves Christian could be some of the least forgiving the least loving people, because we forget, just like Randy said, over and over again how much God has forgiven us, right? Like Paul and Randy said. Hmm. But it... Okay. Now, not always, okay? Because he goes on in this to say the Holy Spirit's kind of like the wind. Sometimes you don't know where it's coming from and where it's going. And it, it just, it can come upon, he can come upon you in that way. But at other times, he's a counselor and a comforter, and, and the journey can be a little bit more arduous. And so when I see this, I realize that any time there's a chance for you to see or enter the kingdom of God, that it is a, an opposed event, right? By your flesh, by our culture, by Satan, all the forces of darkness themselves. And actually, one of the most spiritual things you'll ever do is not praying for someone to be healed or singing or praying in tongues, right, or raising someone from the dead, as much as those would be amazing things, it's actually going against your nature to not join Jesus in his kingdom. 
and then actually entering his kingdom. It is that loving your enemy. It is, it is that, you know, true religion is this. It's undefiled, right? It's caring for the orphan and widows. That kind of stuff. That's really counter to protecting your own money and your domain. And sometimes the most spiritual thing you do is obey God. And so it takes that, like, when you see the kingdom and you're invited to go in, and you're like, I don't want to. That move to enter it, to offer that love, or to offer that truth, or to give yourself up, that could be the most spiritual thing you do. And without the Holy Spirit, without being born again, without seeing differently, without submitting to God as your Lord and Savior, you, or Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and surrendering to God, you will never be able to do it. Because that which is born of the flesh, right, what I can do on my own, the best I can offer you, is the best my flesh can offer. We still on the boat together? Fall off? Okay. And that which is born of the Spirit is the Spirit. Please understand something. I went to school to be a manager and a business person. I can give an hour speech. And it doesn't have to be from the Spirit at all. But I pray to God every week that when I share with you, it's not from my flesh. Because otherwise, it's only going to talk to your flesh. I pray that it's from the Spirit of God that's in me that would talk to your spirit and transform your hearts. Right? We can play tricks and fill this building. We can play tricks and get tons of money, but that's the flesh. That's not the spirit. What I want to be part is an assembly of called out ones that are joining the kingdom, seeing the kingdom of God, entering the kingdom of God everywhere that they go. And when they're too tired and they fail to do it, they come before God and just throw themselves down and say, Lord, I'm sorry, help me. Denise and uh, Preston, if you guys would come back. Let, I, uh, and I'll just ask that you guys play a little bit because I, I just want some time for prayer. We, it's easy to say we don't do enough prayer, but then you don't get an opportunity to do it. When Jesus came, allow me to simplify a little bit. Maybe I'm oversimplifying. You can tell me, but... One of the things that Jesus did is, you'll notice he didn't necessarily come against the people who were part of the kingdoms of the world. He, he brought love to tax collectors and prostitutes and those who were downtrodden and outcasts. But then he brought like brood of vipers language to those people who were part of a fake God kingdom. Right? And I think the reason why is because they had a misunderstanding that the Messiah was going to come to take his rightful reign over their kingdom. So I think before we can step forward, you and I can step forward in our life, in the spirit, maybe, maybe, and maybe not, maybe this is old hat for you, that's cool, I'm glad you're here, but maybe this is new for you. Whether you've been in church or whatever, a day or a hundred years, right? 
take a step back and, and first receive this truth that Jesus didn't come to make your kingdoms work. Right? Anyone like your wrong will? I mean, that's okay. I'm not going to throw anything at you, but because I want to build off of this. We, do you see that? How frustrating can that be when you think that God, that Jesus came to make your kingdom work and then it's not working? Like it makes you think that Jesus isn't good and, and no wonder there's going to be this great falling away because you think, man, my kingdom, you came and you didn't make it work. So let's throw that out. Like the first thing we should do when we pray is like lay our kingdom down. Like lay all our kingdoms down before you, God. Okay. And instead, what we need to do is understand that we need to be part of his kingdom and be under his rule. So like, lead me, God. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Speak to me so that I can see your kingdom at work. There's step two, right? I give you my kingdom. Actually, no. Kingdom, step one. Two, Lord, like, fill me with you, man. Fill me with you. And then three, help me see your kingdom. And then four, Help me enter it. So if you forget this, go back on YouTube or the YouTube, depending on, and then just write this down and talk about this and pray about this this week, right? And so I want to do it as an example first and then give you guys some quiet time that I believe we have a God who speaks and maybe there's a place. There's already a place right now where he's told me to do something that I'm going to take care of today, right? Okay? So maybe there's a place he's inviting you to enter the kingdom. And you've been resistant, or maybe it's a new direction. So let's just pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, I, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's so powerful and true and real. And so uh, I pray, Spirit, that you would lead this time of prayer, of listening. Lord, transform us, change us. So we just stop. Lord, we lay our kingdoms down. I lay everything all my kingdoms down as a, a man, a husband, a father, a pastor. We lay all our kingdoms down before you. And I know that you've given me the Holy Spirit, Lord, but I pray that you would just fill me afresh with you so much that it makes its way up to my eyeballs and I could see. Give me the eyes to see your kingdom at work around me. Give, give your eyes to all your sons and daughters here that they would just see as they go through today, throughout this week, your kingdom here at work, operating now. And then, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, speak to us in such a way that we can see and hear and understand and give us the strength and the courage in your spirit, in your power to do what you ask us to do. And we come in confidence because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I ask that you would speak to the hearts who are ready to hear, Lord, that you would direct us, transforming us to be more like you. I pray, Jesus, in your name.